we're going to dive into um, well, shorter than usual for me message from Acts 2, 42 to 47. And the reason for that is we have confirmants who are excited to present their confession of faith to you. They are the beautiful illustrations of today's message. And we're going to be diving into Acts 2, 42 to 47 because this is a snapshot in a moment of the very first congregation that developed in the city of Jerusalem after Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven. And so this presents a great picture for us of what church is meant to be. And uh, that's the question today. Why should I go to church? Inside your program, you'll find the verses that we're going to read. But before we read them, I just want to tell you about something that I experienced about three or four weeks ago. Uh, I got, I'm a grandpa. I have 11 grandkids. I got a video, as I do every now and then, of my grandson, Owen, taking his very first baby steps. And I mean just like short baby steps from the couch to the little footstool. He might have taken all of three steps. But do you know what his mom and dad did? They exploded in celebration and praise and how awesome is this that that Owen is now taking steps and walking. And that's in a way where we are today. We're, we're pausing for our confirmands, but what's happening today is a celebration of their first steps of faith. It's not the end. It's merely the beginning. Now imagine confirmands, I know many of you love sports. Baseball, softball, volleyball, hockey. Imagine if you had to go out and try out for a team or play on a team, barely being any more capable of walking than you were on the first day of your baby steps. Boy, that'd be tough. That'd be real tough. And, and that is exactly where we are today. This is a moment of tremendous celebration. For those of you who've been here for a while hearing me preach, you know my favorite theological word is the word and. And keeps us in the middle of the road without following in, falling into a ditch on either side of our road of faith. This is a tremendous moment of celebration and. And these are baby steps. And these are just the beginning. Confirmation is when you come up to not only confess your faith, but in essence to say, I'm ready now to own my own faith. I will continue to go to the church, as our title says, but I'm also personally going to take responsibility, as one author wrote, extreme ownership, to keep on in my walk with Jesus. Now, you're going to need help for that. You can't do it. I can't do it on my own. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. We especially need the Word of God, because that's how the Holy Spirit works. The sacraments, that's how He works inside of our hearts and minds. And so today... I want to start with this title, Why Should I Go to Church? But let's look at this group of believers. Like I said, the first congregation, you can find the words here. They'll also be in this screen. And I think we'll get a hint into why we go to church. So here's a description of these first Christians. By this time, they're pretty many in the thousands. And what were these thousands doing? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship 
to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. In other words, their own homes became church, right? Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If you want to follow along, there's a little sermon outline for you, and you can fill in the blanks if, uh, if you wish to. But here's how I want to start. I object. I object to the title of this message. What? <laughs> well, look at the title. You see what it says? Why should I go to church? There's a word in there that I don't agree with. Well, I kind of agree with it if we're talking about my old Adam. But the Apostle Paul in Romans 7 says, the real you, the real me is the new man. And I, and I really believe that whenever we ask a question about our faith life, about our relationship with Jesus Christ, as much as possible, we should get the word should out of there. Our walk with Jesus is a walk where he has first loved us, first poured blessing upon blessing into our hearts and minds and lives. And, that, and when we talk about the cross and the empty tomb, of course, the most important truths of the gospel, yet they're only the beginning. And so why should I go to church? When I hear why should I go to church, it's, it's kind of like me saying, well, why should I love Julie? Or even worse, if I wake up in the morning and go, oh, <laughs> okay, she's my wife. I guess I should love her. It should to me says, deep down, I don't really want to. Deep down, I really would be out golfing or doing something other than church. And trust me, pastors have their moments too. But why should I uh, go to church, I would change the question ideally if we're talking to your new man is, why do I get to go to church? Because we're sinful and by all possible means because of sin in our lives before a holy God, God should be stiff-arming all of us and saying, stay away from me. You're too sinful for me. I know that's not a comfortable message to hear. I, I sometimes want deep down to shy away from proclaiming against sin, but it's a reality of our lives. And the beauty of this message is God has the solution for you, for me. And it's in the gospel. So should? Look, look at this first congregation. I, I put the pieces of the passage. It says they devoted themselves. Devoted? Does that sound like they woke up on Sunday mornings and said, oh, Really wanted to go golfing today, but I should. I don't know if they had golf. In, did they have golf? I don't think so. I should go to church. That's not in that word they devoted themselves. They broke bread in their homes. They invited people into their homes so that they could practice their faith and their love for Jesus. And they ate together with what kind of hearts? 
glad and sincere hearts. There were no shoulds here. There were only get-tos, not got-tos, and they were praising God in everything they did. What an amazing picture of an amazing church filled with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Because notice what it says at the very beginning of this passage. How did they get to a place like this where church was not a got-to or a should, but a get-to and an I want to? It's in that very first phrase. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The more we fill ourselves with the gospel, with the word of God, the more it's going to well up from within in us. So here's your first, uh, first top fill-in I want you to do, and then we're going to go bounce down past the passage. If I'm asking myself a question with a should in it, especially when it comes to your relationship with God, it may be time to step back and take another look. What if on Sunday mornings from now on and you compromands woke up and went, oh yeah, baby, it's Sunday. I love going to church to hear my sins are many, but God's mercy is more. I love hearing about how Jesus has died and taken away my sins, given me his perfection and holiness. I love hearing the promise of a brand new life here and eventually an eternal life in heaven because of all that God has done for me in Jesus. So, step back. If, if, if you're hearing yourself, do you know what I like to call that? All right, forgive me for this little turn of phrase, but when you find yourself saying should a lot, I call that shoulding on yourself. You don't want to should on yourself, do you? And, and yet, think about how many times in life we should on ourselves. That's not life in the gospel. That's not life in God's grace. That's life under the, under the auspices of your old Adam, of the devil, trying to remind you, oh, you don't want to go to church. Under the new man, under the power of the Holy Spirit, inspired by God's gospel message, it's, yeah, baby, it's Sunday. I get to go to church. All right? And that leads to your next fill-in. My faith life is not a got-to. It's not something that we say, I've got to do this. It's something that we say, we get to do this. So, compromands, I hope you're hearing this because you're taking ownership of that faith today. And I hope from here on out, you'll always think of church, of your relationship with Jesus as a get-to, not a got-to. All right, now... Too often in the church, we don't tell people the blessings and the benefits that we receive when we come to church, and that we receive even more importantly when we're in a faith relationship to Jesus Christ. I'm going to let the students themselves talk about their faith, and you're going to, like this sermon, consider it extended into when the students deliver their presentations. But very briefly, what I want to do now is I want to tell you out loud the benefits of a relationship with Jesus and the benefits of coming to church on a, on a regular basis. So let's, let's dive in. God's Big Ten plan. There's, there's ten things between why God gave you church and why God gave you Jesus. And we're going to start with five re reasons to live our lives by faith in Jesus. Have you heard about the gospel? 
And gospel means good news. And the reason it's good news is it's God's turnaround plan for you and me. We were putting ourselves in eternal danger because of our sinfulness. But God sent his son Jesus into the world to die for us, live a perfect life for us before he died, and then rise again in victory over sin, death, and the devil. There's the gospel in its most basic form. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But did you know that there are five other major blessings you get when you trust the gospel? Have you ever thought about what they might be? That, it, that the only blessing is not Jesus or eternal life or forgiveness of your sin and guilt. There are many other amazing blessings of the gospel. And I'm going to give you the top five. All right, number one, have you ever asked, who am I? Ask no more. I can tell you who you are. You are, as I said earlier in the service, a dearly loved child of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. When you trust the gospel, you get a new identity in Jesus. Number two, you probably have heard this before, but all by yourself, apart from Jesus and apart from God, you know what your destiny is? Anybody want to shout out, my destiny is eternal death in hell? Probably not. But apart from Christ, that is the truth. That is the hard truth. If we do not have God's appointed Savior in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, the hard truth is that we are destined for eternal death in hell. But no more. That's the gospel, the good news. Not anymore, you're not. When you trust in Jesus as your Savior, you are saved. Amazing. And your new destiny, it's no longer hell, but it's heaven, eternal life with God in heaven. Enjoying a life eternal where there's no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. Imagine a life of constant peace in your heart. Amazing. So you get a new destiny. Number three. When you follow Christ, you know what Christ gives you? He gives you the ability to say, I don't know why, uh, I no longer know why I'm here. Have you ever had this happen? Let me straighten that out. That didn't come out correctly. So often in life, we get to a point where we're, we're depressed because we're like, I don't even know why I exist. I don't even know why I'm here. But not with Christ. You have this amazing and, 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 and very big gift in the gospel where God tells you, you know why you're here? I can tell you why you're here. You're here to make your life one big fat thank you to God. And in everything you do to bring glory to him and to shine the spotlight on God and all that he's done for you, you're here to glorify God with your life. Number four new possibilities. Sometimes in life we struggle with whether we should even try. Compromands? You're going to experience this a lot in high school. Should I try? Should I try playing softball? Should I try going out for the football team? Should I try with this class that the teacher's 
teaching, but I'm not sure if I'm getting anything he's saying. Should I try? I don't think I can do it. You're going to have a lot of self-doubt as you go through high school. But do you know that one of the gifts of the gospel is new possibilities? Meaning, what does Jesus tell you? With man, this is impossible. But with God, how many things are possible? All things are possible. The Apostle Paul, going through all kinds of ups and downs in life, nearly dying many times, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I hope that gives you some confidence. God's not promising you a win every time. But he is promising you that no matter what you go through, what you try, he will be with you and he will help you and he will give you the life that is going to escort you into eternity. And what a promise that is. New possibilities. And then finally, look around you, compromands. You probably see your own family first, right? And what a wonderful blessing a physical family, a blood family is. But then look beyond them. One of the five great blessings of the gospel is you're also given a family of faith. People who will love you and support you and encourage you along the way. And that's why you need Jesus because he gives you this new family of faith in this good news. So when you think of the gospel, compromise, when you think of the gospel, all of us, of course, think about Jesus and his death and his resurrection and your forgiveness and the new life, but also think about your new identity, your new destiny, your new purpose, your new possibilities, and your new family in Jesus Christ. So those are, of the Big Ten, five reasons to live our life by faith in Jesus. I'm going to quickly transition to the real question. Why do I get to go to church? Why should I consider it a huge blessing to have a church family and to have things like weekly worship and Bible study and growth groups and communion and baptism and all the things that church gives? Well, let me give you five more things you can count on the other hand. And here they are. Number one, when you're in the church, you will never have to do life alone. You, you must never feel lonely. And too often, loneliness is a pandemic of its own in today's world. People don't know who to talk to, who to go to, who, who can offer them support. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, as one man, or as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. When we go to church, we have people around to keep us sharp and comforted and strong and living in God's grace and forgiveness. So the first big blessing of going to church is just fellowship, a sharing uh, with others. Secondly is discipleship. Think about when you hear this word discipleship, maybe you first think Bible class, confirmation class, a new member class. And, and some of those are the practical things that churches offer, and they're big blessings. But I want you to think when you hear that word discipleship of Jesus' original disciples. Did Jesus' original disciples go to a new member class? 
Did they attend Bible class once a week? None of that. You know what Jesus' original disciples did? They followed Jesus 24-7 for three years. In other words, they walked with him, they ate with him, they slept with him, they observed as he did miracles. They were sent out by him to do part of the mission work of the church and tell others. It was a constant 24-7 being a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Churches are going to help you with that. And, and going to church is going to help you, even though, yeah, we got to go to work on Monday morning. Churches keep us focused on remaining a disciple of Jesus Christ. Number three. And I think this is one of the reasons, I've heard it from parents in, in regard to a confirmation class, that parents send their children to confirmation class. And it is developing a servant's heart and putting faith, not only deepening your knowledge of the faith, but learning to take what you've learned and put it into practice in your life. In other words, church is not just about Sunday morning. It's about so much more than that. And so, also for us as Christians, church is an opportunity to put your faith into practice and especially to develop the heart, the humble heart that says, I want to serve my wife. I want to serve my husband. I want to serve my boss. I want to serve my teacher. I, I want to serve my brothers and my sisters and my neighbors. And and church strengthens and reminds and helps because it downloads the Holy Spirit into our hearts through the Word of God. That a heart filled with servant-mindedness is an awesome life. You can't have better. And then number four is outreach. Number four says, I've been given something huge, this gospel message. I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I'm a dearly loved child of God. I know what my new destiny is, but it doesn't stop there. For those of you who came to communion today, there's a little reminder here at Amazing Love at the end of communion to take what you've been given and go share it with the world, and that's what outreach is. We get to share good news. Have you ever done that with something else and, and, and thought, man, it feels so awesome to tell someone else about this movie or this opportunity or this thing that really, really helped me. I want my friends to hear about it. I want my friends to join me in doing it. Well, the gospel is the greatest thing to share with others. And then finally, the 10th blessing of following Jesus plus coming to church is that you get an opportunity every week to join together with your family members and raise God up high in your life. There's nothing God loves to hear more than for you, after he's told you in so many words, so many promises, and so many actions, sometimes so many miracles, there's nothing God loves to hear more than us saying, singing, listening, and in our hearts going, God, thank you so much. I love you too. I want every moment of my life to reflect that you are the exalted one. You are the highest, the King of kings and Lord of lords. 
and I submit myself to you by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, I submit myself to you. You are God. I am not. Jesus is the Savior. I don't have to save myself because he's done it all for me. And to put ourselves, worship is really recognizing what our proper position is over against God. And so often in life, we feel this pressure to act as if all the problems need to be solved by us. And, and then on the flip side, we want all the glory to come to us. Worship is a big reminder to step back from all that weight laid on your shoulders and simply say, God, you're the one. You're the awesome one. You're the powerful one. You're the one who walks with me every day and makes sure that I'm going to be okay for eternity because of what Jesus has done at the cross in the empty tomb. So you got those? Fellowship, discipleship, service, outreach, and worship. That's why we don't have to say, oh, do I have to go? Should I go to church? All these ten, the big ten I like to call them, they're all reasons to say, oh boy. <laughs> through Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, I get to follow Jesus every day in my life, and I get to come to church and get all these blessings of fellowship and discipleship and service and outreach and worship. All right, here's your next step. You're willing to think about this? You're willing to think, I will stop shooting on myself? Especially in my relationship to Jesus and especially in my relationship to your fellow believers that we call the church. I want to ask you to think about that and pray about that. Church and Jesus never have been and never will be a got to. They will always be a get to. Let's bow our heads and quickly pray. Pray, Father in heaven, thank you for your grace and mercy. It's really true. Our sins are many, but your mercy is more. And keep us right there in that beautiful gospel, Lord, so that we see things from the right perspective. I don't have to go to church. It's not that I should go to church. In my new man, under the power of the Holy Spirit, I get to come here, Lord, and worship you and, and obtain all these other blessings that you have for me in church and in a relationship with Jesus, our Savior. We pray this in his name. Amen. Now join with me in a few ancient words where we're going to confess our Christian faith together. This is called the Apostles' Creed. If you're comfortable, I invite you to join with us. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.